1: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm sharing with you a conversation I got to have with John Zaratsky. He's the co-author of the book, Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. And this is actually a pretty unique book and a unique uh, approach to productivity, a unique approach to focus. And uh, this is not their first book. This is actually their second book. Their first book was called Sprint. And by going through these design sprints, he and the co author Jake learned a ton of stuff. And that's what, that's exactly what we get into in this conversation. I gotta admit, I get a lot of books pitched to me for this podcast and I say yes to some of them. (laughs) This one I said yes to and it surpassed my expectations. It was a surprise hit in my mind. So. This is actually a really great conversation. It's a really great book. I'm going to be going back through it again. And actually, I'm going to talk about that in an upcoming solo podcast episode. This will be one of the topics. So pay attention to this one and enjoy this conversation with John Zaratsky. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, John Zaratsky. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks, Eric. I'm excited to be here. I hope I said your name la- uh, correct. You <laughs> Z- did, yeah. Zaratsky.
2: Some people look at all the letters in my last name and they just get flustered and, and they give up but really if you look at the letters there's only two ways to say it it's Zaratsky or Zaratsky um, and, and you pick the right one so. uh, ac- Hey
1: there's another Thanks. one actually Zaratsky if you just right? say it, like yeah. anyway <laughs> That's true yeah <laughs> I got it right no worry, no need to dwell but yeah. uh, you, so you co-wrote a book called Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. And I wasn't sure by the title what exactly I was going to find in here, but you and your co-author have done something unique here where it's not about the concept of time in and of itself, which is one way you could have gone. And Mm -hmm. the other is, you know, it's not just about carpe diem, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's also not just about focus, you know. So I was, I was, I guess it's not about a lot of things. It's not about a lot of things. And <laughs> yeah. that's, so that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. No, cool. uh, it's pleasantly <laughs> surprising to me. And we were actually kind of touching on this in pre-recording conversation to get something unique and new in the productivity space. And yeah, there are flourishes of things from all over the place, but we're all kind of coming to somewhat similar conclusions. But again, you've got something unique here that I had not seen uh, per se. And so, I, uh, first off, you co-wrote this, and I would love to hear some of maybe the genesis of the idea or the catalyst as to why you and Jake thought that you needed to write the book, basically based on your own personal experiences. Like, what led you to the conversation where you both said, hey, we should write a book on this?
2: Sure. It's actually the second book that we have written together. Uh, A few years ago, we wrote a book called Sprint, which is all about this five-day design sprint process that we developed while we were working together at Google Ventures, which is a venture capital firm funded by Google invests money in companies outside of Google. And it was really, um, while we were doing that work, going into teams, people we had never met before, and sitting down with them being like, what are your challenges? Like, what are you trying to do as a business that we realized that some of the things that we had been feeling about working in technology and having this unique perspective of like knowing that to some extent we're designing products that are distracting to people that are, are sort of sucking up people's time. But on the other hand, being really in the epicenter of the always on, always connected, nonstop, highly Optimized and you know productivity obsessed work culture. Um, we noticed that these teams we were going in to help they had a lot of the same challenges. Even if they were small teams, even if they were two people who had literally just started their business, and so that was really enlightening for us. and And we had in our work running these design sprints, we had the chance to basically experiment, take our ideas that we had each been formulating as individuals for years and go into a team and say, hey, what would happen if we if we cleared your calendar for a week and we had the whole team together in one room? And what would happen if instead of trying to reach consensus in a meeting, we, we gathered input from everybody and then had the decision maker make a call? And a lot of things like that. What would happen if we didn't use email to move this project forward? A lot of questioning of defaults. Um, and that was really where we came together and said, Hey, there's these ideas have some universal appeal, and I wonder if we could take what we're learning in this team environment and apply it to ourselves as individuals.
1: That's great. I, I love that phrase, uh, questioning the defaults. It's
2: yeah, like... that is a that's a big part of what this book is about, and really what what all of my work on this stuff has been about. There's so many things. I mean, this, this show is called beyond the to do list and the to do list, I think is a perfect example of something that's just a default. You sort of assume if you're a a, a productive person who is going to be on top of your work and on top of your life and you're going to have your, your, uh, your act together, you got to have a to do list. Um, But I I found that I did better work and I'm happier and time moves more slowly when I don't have a to-do list. And there are dozens or maybe hundreds of defaults like that. Some that are technology things, some that are sort of corporate culture things, some that are just expectations we have as a society. And I think the process of looking at those and questioning them and maybe trying to replace them with something that's a little more... I don't know, gentle and a little more human can really uh, enable us to do good things with our time.
1: Yeah, I think that what you're getting at is somewhat the problem of, there's nothing wrong inherently with a to-do list. It's that we then generally seek to overload them and load it then overloads us, right?
2: I think at its core, it's a list. And yes, certainly there is nothing wrong with, a list. I think the frustrations that I've felt, and I think a lot of people feel, with to-do lists is that they they become, as you said, so overloaded with uh, with importance and significance that we think that managing the list and checking items off the list is the work. When really, the work is the work, and they tend to reward small items. They uh, tend to encourage us to estimate how long things are going to take. And, and we, there's a lot of research showing that humans are terrible at estimating things and predicting things. So there, there, there are a lot of problems, I think, with to-do lists. But as you pointed out, they don't come from the notion of having a list of things. They come from the, all of the baggage that we have tried to, to strap on to these to-do lists over the years.
1: Yeah, I mean, people have had to do lists for centuries. You know, Benjamin Franklin on, you know, yeah. back in time, and it's like, you know, Benjamin Franklin wasn't like overwhelmed person. I mean, maybe he, maybe it's hidden in the pages of Sir Richard's Almanac somewhere. He's keeping <laughs> us in, but I mean, we just don't think about that. It's more of a modern thing, a modern you know overload problem.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that the the tools have gotten supposedly more sophisticated, which I think is, is they've really just gotten kind of fancier and more complicated, but, (laughs) but the tools have, have expanded in ways that are, are kind of neat and clever, but not necessarily effective. And at the same time, we have, uh, this culture that seems to value responsiveness and values, uh, always being as productive as possible. Um, and all these things are, are reinforced by new types of communication tools. Um, so it's really, I I just, I have this feeling that that this problem of how do we spend time on the things that are important to us? I feel like this problem is is accelerating. It's getting worse. And so that's one of the reasons why I've been spending so much of my time trying to slow that down and trying to help people kind of pull back and step back from that.
1: Yeah. Uh, if, if, um if the sprint book was geared towards being able to duplicate that design, uh, design sprint process for people who had not ever done that, then this essentially this lack of focus or lack of progress or whatever you want to call it. I mean, how, how would you succinctly say what the problem is that this book is then tackling?
2: Yeah. I would say that this book is helping people who feel busy and distracted, whether that's all the time or just some of the time, (laughs) uh, reclaim control of their energy and their attention so that they can actually make time for the things that matter to them, the things that they want to be doing.
1: And that's not just, uh, you know, in your career, in your work life, in your daily, you know, in your nine to five, but it's also, you know, at home and on the weekend. It's it's a whole life. It's a holistic thing. It's not, you know, the, what what matters every day isn't just a, you know, a, a a business book, in other words.
2: Yeah, that is totally true. And while make time is for your entire life. It is not meant to contain your entire life. And, and by that I mean, there's gonna be lots of little stuff you gotta do, emails you gotta reply to, meetings you gotta go to, there's gonna be things on your to-do list that you gotta get done <laughs> that are, Make time doesn't necessarily provide a system for managing those. I think there are a lot of great systems and tools out there for those things. But it's really to help you at that bigger picture level, look at how you're spending your time And make some tweaks to some of the defaults that kind of control how you spend your time, Um, making your phone less distracting, uh, trying to, uh, you know, spend, instead of spending all day in your email, uh, have certain times of day when you're in your email, uh, scheduling things that are important to you rather than just letting your schedule sort of fill up. It's really about, at a high level, questioning these defaults so that you can make sure that even with all the little stuff you have to get done, there's gonna be a chunk of time every day for the thing that's really important to you. And like you said, that that could be at the office. And 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 I think sometimes people look at this book and they say, oh, it's about work-life balance. And it might be, but but if the thing that you care the most about is work, then that's awesome. You pour your energy into that. I think that Make Time can really help you do that. And I go through phases of my life and I know Jake goes through phases of his life where that's very much the, the spirit. You know, mm-hmm. you're very much into your work and using this system to really just try to pour your energy into that. But sometimes it's about making time for things outside of work, making sure that when you get home from the office, you're not just kind of, you know, plunking down and and switching on TV and catching up on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. But, you know, if if you had been meaning to, cook dinner or you'd been meaning to repaint a bedroom or reorganize a closet or, you know, something little stuff like that, not life changing stuff, but stuff that you've just been meaning to get around to Um, make time is really about helping you make those decisions so that you can have time for those things.
1: Yeah. And even unintentionally working on, quote, one area of your life that we're not as compartmentalized as people uh, think it spills over into the other areas.
2: Yeah, that's true. One of the so so what we've been talking about these last couple of minutes here is what in the book we call it a highlight. It's the the idea is that if you look back on your day and you ask yourself what was the highlight of my day today, we feel like every day should have an answer. You know, we we don't want to have this feeling where time is slipping by. And you look back and you say, what did I really do? What did I accomplish? You know, uh, that's not the path to feeling good about your time. That's not the path to forming memories. That's not the path to spending time on substantial, valuable work. Um, and that idea of the highlight, it can really help keep life in balance. And I can give you an example, just recent example from my own life. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I had planned to go to a Baseball game. We live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the Brewers are having a good season. I don't know exactly when this will air, but they, uh, they, they as we're recording this, they're in the playoffs, which is pretty exciting. And we had planned to go to a game a couple weeks ago, one of the final regular season games. We were going to go with Michelle. That's my wife, Michelle's family, and this was it was an evening game, and but it was the day before I was going to fly out to San Francisco to do some some book marketing activity give some talks and things like that. And so I had a bunch of stuff to do. I like had a, a very a finite set of things. You know, I had a to-do list of things that needed to get done that day. But I made that baseball game my highlight because I knew that if I had that to look forward to and if that was the priority, I could plan the rest of my day around that activity. So even though I had all this work to do and even though you know, at a rational level, you know, I could have I made the case that the baseball game is not the most important thing, I decided to change my mindset because I knew that if I told myself that the baseball game was my highlight, if that was the most important thing, then I would A, do a better job with all the stuff I was doing during the day. And then B, when the end of that day did arrive, I would have this feeling of like, okay, I did what I could do and now I'm here to enjoy the game instead of like, oh, I, I pulled the plug and ran out of the office at the last second just so I could make it to the game on time. And that's kind of a nuanced thing, but those types of decisions for me can completely change the way that I feel about a day.
1: That is a great uh, illustration of how the first component of the four components that make up this new approach uh, that you talk about in the book uh, works out. And I love the fact that your highlight for that day was not this like, okay, my highlight for today is this one thing at work that I'm going to make sure I finish, which for a lot, which is perfectly okay, by the way.
2: Yeah, it is. And a lot of my highlights are things like that. Um, I just today, uh, I'm putting out a, a design sprint workshop. So the design sprint process that I talked about, uh, Jake and I we both teach people how to run those design sprints and I'm putting on a workshop in Minneapolis in late November and today we we just announced that that was going to happen I posted the page online where people can learn about it and buy tickets and and that was my highlight and we find that those type of kind of medium sized you know 1 to 2 hour sort of chunks of work that are meaningful and valuable and you can sink your teeth into make for great highlights because they're small enough that you can kind of fit them in you can you by rearranging things or by keeping your email closed or keeping your phone put away somewhere you can usually make time for them but they're big enough that they become those anchors for the day they become those things where you can look back and say yep on Tuesday that was the day that we launched the workshop and that just makes time feel like it's not running away racing by
1: yeah uh and so here's the thing like the the first so we're talking we're talking right now about the the highlight um and again like i said this is one of four pieces i think what would be almost like a natural flow to the conversation which is never something that you should say out loud as an interviewer (laughs) it's like calling the play by play as you go through a conversation (laughs) but i want to highlight ironically uh the fact that we're doing that because i think this makes a lot of sense i would love to dive into a couple of different questions on defining wh- how do you define what your you know wh- what's the best approach maybe to defining what your highlight is for every day and then move into tactics for protecting that highlight and then do the same for the other three laser energize and reflect
2: yeah, and maybe so. but maybe before we, we go deeper on highlight, I can just give a quick overview of the four steps.
1: Yes, yeah, so let's go um, macro and then we'll drill down a little bit into each of them.
2: Yeah, sounds good. So the, the first step, as we've been talking about, is proactively choosing a highlight for your day. It's something that needs to get done, could be something that you just want to get done, or something that's just plain fun to do something that makes you happy. And it's not the only thing that you'll do that day, but it's the thing where you really focus your energy, really plan your day around it. The next step is called laser, and it's all about beating distraction by making changes to how you use technology. And you might be you might think that this step should come first, right? That you need to sort of lock down uh, distractions so that you have the time we have found that when you start with that motivation, you start with that highlight, it makes it easier to make these changes to your technology. It gives you that motivation. It gives you that sense of like, why am I why am I uninstalling Twitter for my phone? Why am I staying logged out of my email when I'm not actually answering email? Little changes like that that do require kind of a burst of energy to get over the hump. But then once they're in place, they tend to be kind of self-sustaining. So the second step is laser. Third step is called energize. And it's really about recognizing that to make good use of our time, we need energy. And the energy that we need it comes from taking care of our bodies. So it's about focusing on basics of food and sleep and exercise and even things like spending face-to-face time with other people and finding quiet um, that really give us energy to make the most of our time. And then the fourth step is to reflect each day on how that day went, and this is not some big crazy journaling exercise. It's really just about looking back and asking yourself, "What was my highlight today? Did I have time for it? What did I try in terms of the tactics that are described in the book or or other things? you know what did I try to what What actions did I take to try to make time?" and how did they go if they if they went well then cool and if they didn't go so well are there are different things i want to do tomorrow and this this takes just a couple of minutes and we find that having this experimental mindset to our time and our energy and our focus every day really helps people uh make a lot more progress than they would if they were trying to white knuckle their way through some, you know, 17 part system that they had to get absolutely perfect. So th- those are the four steps of make time.
1: And it's incredibly simple. Like I, I, as we go through it, like it's really just, okay, highlight, laser, energize, reflect, repeat. <laughs> it's almost the missing Step. Yeah, no that's
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah that's a great point and that's totally it and that that repeat is really behind a lot of the philosophy it's like you can't screw it up and even if you feel like you kind of had a bad day where you didn't make time for the things you wanted to do tomorrow's a new day you know and and it's not about getting the system exactly right it's about getting into a a routine and a habit of thinking about this stuff and making changes to try to make better use of your time. And so, yeah, I love that. Step five, repeat.
0: Indeed.com to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for
2: your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans available on all podcast platforms or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T H E S H U B O X dot com to learn more.
1: The reflect step then helps you to clarify and continually learn how to better choose your highlights as you move forward. Um, but do you have any best practices as far as like choosing, you know, whether it's the launching of uh, a thing like you were describing that you did today or making sure that you, uh, your highlight is the that game and, or anything in between.
2: Sure. At this point, I've been planning my days this way for, for a long time, for years really. And so it, it's very intuitive. I, I think about what I want my highlight to be, but I don't, I don't really have a system I go through. I just just kind of know, uh, as as mysterious as that sounds, but um, we do provide a few different strategies in the book that that we we do use and that we especially used to use when Jake and I were first developing this idea. One of them is is the strategy of urgency. So it's really just looking through calendar, to do list, whatever you have, email, and picking out that thing that really needs to get done that day. Sometimes I have found working, especially in like an office environment where I have a lot of meetings, that, that I can sometimes get to the end of the day without having made time for the thing I really need to do that day. You know, it's like at, at the end of the day, you're like, okay, f- finally, I'm done with all, these, all this work stuff. Now I can finally get this work done. And, and nobody wants their day to go that way. So, so when you do have that thing that must get done, being proactive about it and trying to build your day around it rather than squeezing it into the cracks in between meetings can can really be helpful. The second strategy is all about satisfaction. And so um, an example for this might be if you had a, an idea for a, something new at work, like a new project or a new way of solving a problem that the business was facing. Nobody's asking you for that. You know, there's, there's no deadline for that idea. It's something that you just You just want to put out there, but you know that when you do, it's going to be very satisfying. You're going to feel sense of accomplishment. You're going to feel sense of pride that you did it. And so prioritizing those non-urgent, but still super important things by making them your highlight can also be a really uh, great way of feeling like you made good use of your time, especially at the office, but, but at home as well. Yeah, And then the third strategy is is looking for highlights that bring you joy, and that's where the the baseball game comes in. Um, things that are just plain fun if you feel like those activities often get pushed to the the margins of the day or you never even really get to them. You think you're going to go to bed early and and read a book, but then you know you look at the clock and it's eleven o'clock and it's 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 too late and you need to get to bed if that's the the situation you find yourself in, using your highlight to choose joyful activities can make sure that those types of things get their their space and and their due in your day.
1: And do you find that you're able to, or see, I'm trying, I'm trying not to to systematize this too much. I'm trying to leave it very intuitive. I think that was the best way that you put it is for me, naturally, I'm almost going to think, okay, I'm going to look ahead at the calendar and say, Ooh, there's like, for example, this coming Friday night, my wife and I are going to do something that night. I would make that my highlight and that's days in advance. Is that something that's quote, okay to do?
2: (laughs) That is not something that I personally do. I mean, there's definitely things that I look forward to. You know, there's all you know things that, all sorts of plans, things at work, things outside of work that I look forward to. but i I do think there's there's something about the highlight being a daily activity that is that is really healthy. i I think we touched on this earlier. There's there's a bunch of research, and I, I think we can sort of intuitively we can feel that um, humans are maybe not so great as predicting the future as we <laughs> uh, as we w- would like to be or would like to think that we are. And if you're choosing a highlight for the end of the week, you're sort of predicting your future. You're sort of saying, "Well, I, I know how I'm going to feel in the future." And, uh, and and I think that we can be more honest with ourselves and have a higher success rate in terms of making good use of our time, if we treat that highlight as a daily thing, because then we can, we can check in with ourselves every day. We can say, how am I feeling today? Am I, like, am I in a mental space where I really want to be pouring my energy into work because I've got something cool going on, something exciting, something that's uh, urgent? There's a deadline coming up. Or is the week winding down? It's the end of the week. I'm kind of in more of a mental space where I'm ready to relax and focus my energy on doing something fun. So I would, I would never tell you what's right or wrong because that is just not, I don't think that's a productive way to approach these types of things, which are so personal and so human. But, but I would say that for me, I, I really appreciate the, the day-by-day practice of choosing highlight for the day that's that's coming ahead
1: gotcha okay so keep it more you know in that cycle like we were saying is you know the re- in the repeat is okay reflect on what today's was was that the right choice uh yes or no and and then are you deciding that evening what tomorrow's is or are you doing that the next morning
2: for me it's it's either the evening or the morning kind of depends okay. on what's going on if i know that if i know that the next morning i have wide open which is really what I shoot for. I try to wake up right. early every morning, have some coffee right away and spend at least a couple of hours on my highlight working on something important. And that doesn't always happen. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not perfect. <laughs> These things don't always work out exactly the way that I imagine they will. But if I know I have a day like that coming up, then I do tend to think about it more the night before. I think, you know, I, I sort of think to myself, all right, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I I don't wanna have that, that temptation or that urge to hop on Twitter or hop on Facebook or whatever, um, I want to wake up with a really clear idea, a really clear highlight that I'm going to spend my time on. And so in those cases, I'll think of it the night before. But if I have more of a what you might imagine is sort of a conventional work day that's got some, a bunch of different stuff, it's got some meetings, it's got some smaller little projects, then I'll think about it more in the morning as I'm kind of mapping out a plan for the day.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Uh, so then making sure that we get the highlight done is essentially what laser is all about. It's getting rid of distractions. It's honing in specifically on what tools are needed. Uh, what am I leaving out here in terms of what laser is about?
2: Yeah, the the essence of of laser is about really making it more difficult to get distracted. So if you think about whether it's Instagram or email or Netflix, all of these products have been engineered and designed to be as friction free as possible I mean if you 're watching Netflix, it literally starts playing the next episode <laughs> as soon as the previous one finishes it, it doesn 't get more more friction free than that there's not even a, the, the traditional commercial break from broadcast TV where you can you can get up and remove yourself from the environment um, and that 's true of, of all um, of all the we call them infinity pool apps these these websites apps that have basically an endless source of of really or, or at least potentially really interesting content in them and i should say that part of what is unique about this book is that jake and i both helped to design some of those apps i was at youtube for a couple of years as a designer jake worked on gmail during his time at google so so I think we know from the inside just how kind of tuned and optimized these things are. Yeah. So the essence of, of laser and the tactics in the book that we provide for helping you find laser mode, and that laser-like focus, is is putting barriers in so that it's more difficult to get distracted.
1: I think it's funny that we we talk about putting barriers in, (laughs) you know, where it's like, (laughs) why why would you want to have a barrier? Well, it's it's a guardrail. It's a it's a oh, I bumped up against it, and now I'm not going over the cliff, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so and I think I mean here's the thing: like we've talked uh, we've talked a lot about this actually on this show before, previously with like you know eliminating distractions and you know getting your focus time and all that kind of stuff. I mean. It's going to be completely contextual. Let's let's put what type of laser you use. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Based on what highlight you've chosen. Right. Like it's going to be a contextual thing. It's very again, like you said, it's intuitive.
2: Yeah, that is true. Although I do think that one of the one of the almost universal um, feelings that that people have today um, that we all have is that a lot of our time just seems to get sucked away. i think I think probably anybody listening can relate to that feeling of picking up your phone to do something, and then realizing that half an hour later you just spent <laughs> you just spent that time doing who knows what you know maybe you, you you meant to look something up and and you happened to notice there was a little the the red circle was on the corner of the the Facebook app, so you popped over there to see what it was or something like that. Um, So I think that everybody can benefit from thinking about what those apps or those services or products or websites are that are kind of our distraction kryptonite, you know, that thing that it's our weakness we often find ourselves mindlessly spending time on. I think we can all benefit from trying to identify what those are and and putting those guardrails into place, like you said. Trying to make it more difficult to get distracted by those things, and and for me, probably the the prime example is Twitter. And it's not that I spend more time on Twitter than something else like email. It's just that it's the thing that I feel the worst about after I have this this mindless session. Um, and so, what I've done to to control that is remove Twitter from my phone. So I don't have the Twitter app installed on my phone. And then I have changed my password for Twitter, uh, for twitter.com and changed it to like a random string basically that I store in a password manager app. So I use one password for that. Yeah. And I stay logged out of Twitter. So I definitely still use Twitter and, and Twitter is a really important tool for me for spreading the word about the writing that I'm doing and and answering questions and talking to to folks who are reading what I what I put out there which I really appreciate and I find very fun and very rewarding but what I do is I just have certain times of day where I kind of plan to go onto Twitter and so when I do that I have to go grab that password from the password manager I have to log into Twitter and I only do it on my computer I don't do it on my phone and just having those guardrails in place helps me get the best of that tool. You know, I get the the best parts of Twitter still, and it's, it's useful for me, and it's still enjoyable, and I look forward to that time. But I never find myself, or I should say almost never <laughs> find myself uh, mindlessly or unconsciously checking it.
1: Yeah, you've built up so many different hurdles that you have to jump through. Whether it's time restriction or uh, just logging in, and and even not being able to just pull your phone out as uh, tactile um, a, a, an um, an experience as that is, and mm-hmm. and which lends to its um, addictivity. Addictivity is not a word. <laughs> lends to its highly addictive nature. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, I really. I, I appreciate and see. So then the thing is, is some people are like, well, Twitter's not really my issue. It's this other thing. And there you go. Like it's a unique scenario. It's a unique situation for me. I, you know, again, I can keep Twitter on my phone and not check it all day long over and over and over again. Right. Um It's probably something different. And I don't know what that would be right now. Cause I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. So actually, you know, I've, I've taken some of these steps that, that you're uh persuading, us to do so. um What are some of the other ones that you know? I mean, is there another one where it's say? I mean, again, it's not just about putting up the barriers. It's it's almost like there are some probably you have to go nuclear live with and just say no. This one's not allowed at all, right?
2: Yeah, and that's one of the most powerful tactics in the laser section. Is this idea of a distraction free phone and this is really about removing from the phone or disabling anything that's an infinity pool app. So anything that has an endless source of content. So I already mentioned Twitter, but it's also Instagram and Facebook, it's games, it's the news which has particularly strong cultural expectation that if you're a grown up, if you're, you know, a, a productive member of society, you're going to follow the news but but we don't need to see the constant breaking news on our phones. So removing that, um, the ability to check the stock market, um, and, and even removing email. So yeah. uh, I don't have email on my phone, um, and I, I didn't for many of the years. I was working within Google, working at you a know, big, big tech company where there's a lot of email. Um, and it's not about, similar to what I was saying about Twitter, it's not about not using it or uh, going completely dark or cold turkey it's really about trying to reframe the the relationship so that you're using it in good ways and using it for the things that it's good for rather than letting it use
1: you one of the ways that i've found uh for the weekend is i won't delete the apps but i'll uh, on ios there's this this option to offload an app so Mm. all your data you know, all your login is maintained, and all your you know user interface type stuff. I, basically, the app's there, but it's a hollow shell of the app. It's just it just maintains your login and all that, but you can't use the app uh, until you re-download it. And so, huh. you know, one of my things for Friday afternoons for the weekend is um, late. The, my shutdown on Friday is to offload. Uh, on my social media for the weekend. That's great. You know, so and, and it's happened where like on a Saturday, I'll have my phone and I'll open it up and I'll tap Facebook and then it'll start the download <laughs> of Facebook. And I'm like, whoa, hold a sec. I, yeah, uh,
2: that's not what I wanted.
1: N- I can wait, tap it again, hit cancel yeah. download and boom. Okay, good. I'm glad that was there. So
2: yeah, that's great. That's super interesting. I actually didn't know that was possible. I I use it uh, an Android phone. Yeah. Um. And and I I didn't know you could do that. But but I love that, especially the way that you do it, which is you make it a ritual. It's part of winding down for the week, or you could do it for winding down the day too, if you wanted. But I think that one of the things that is so challenging in our world today is that all this stuff is on all the time. It's available all the time. There is no natural rhythm of when the mail gets delivered or when the newspaper gets delivered. I mean, those things obviously t- still happen, but most of what we are interacting with, most of the information that we are able to access is always available. It's always there. It's always being replenished. And so I love that idea of, of restoring some of that natural rhythm of the end of the day, the end of the week, the weekend. That's a, a really cool idea.
1: Yeah. And well, and then, so that actually ties right into the next step, which is energize. Um, This is huge to be able to actually take steps to do this.
2: It is. Energize is really about making sure that you have the energy to make good use of that time. So if you've chosen a highlight that is to, uh, you know, have some, you're going to have some friends over for dinner and you're going to make dinner, uh, you don't want to get to that, that highlight, that chunk of your day and feel totally wiped and totally worn out or frazzled or, or kind of fragmented. You want to have the energy to be there. And that's true when you're getting something done at work. It's true when you're, uh, when something urgent comes up, it's true when you're doing something that's, that's fun and you, you want to enjoy it. And this was a big lesson for us from running all the design sprints because a design sprint is fairly intense. It's five days. Uh, The team is in the room from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. each of those five days. They're not doing any of their normal meetings or any of their normal work when they're in this design sprint with us. And we would find in some of our early sprints that we would get to the end of the week and people were just like running on empty. They had so little energy. They were more likely to be distracted, to, you know, to kind of uh, pick up, you know, mindlessly pick up their phone or open their laptop and start to look at something else that would really take them out of the room, even though they were physically in the room. And so we started to experiment with things like having the team break for lunch and like actually go walk somewhere as a group and sit down and eat face to face. And we actually shortened the day. So when we started doing sprints, it was much more like a nine to five or sometimes even nine to six day. Um, But shortening it down to make it 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. actually allowed us to get the same amount of stuff done, but people just felt better at the end of the week. This lesson that we learned from the design sprints is something that, that Jake and I have focused on a lot as individuals. And we found that kind of just taking care of our, our human bodies really uh, has a a big effect on our feelings of having control over our time and our attention.
1: Yeah. And it's not, the thing is, is, you know, we've talked about this subject in different forms, whether it's rest or, uh, you know, sleep or taking breaks or having rhythms and routines. Energize comprises all of those things, but we've never really actually on this show talked about the direct correlation to then hey for this being a- for for being able to be specifically optimized for your highlight for the for getting that thing done uh you know again picking one being laser focused on it in whatever manner or form that takes that's fine but then if you don't have the energy for it then what was the point
2: yeah, that's exactly right. And I th- I've certainly felt there's been a lot of a lot of cases um in my life and, and this happens all the time where there's a there's a moment or there's something that I'm doing that I I feel like I'm not fully there for, I'm not fully present. And and some of that is because of because I'm distracted, because my mind is elsewhere, but a lot of it also comes down to energy. Um and so I think the benefit of focusing on building that energy is that you, you feel more present. You feel like you can enjoy that time more, whatever that thing is you're doing. But I think it also makes it easier to push back against some of these really distracting and really compelling infinity pool apps. One of our philosophies is that we should try to take willpower and self-control out of the equation whenever possible. and so you know for example it's um instead of hiding the the uh, instead of hiding twitter away in a folder that's three home screens to the right on your phone it's like just remove the app entirely right. and change the password so so that you're not having to constantly exercise that willpower. that said Unless you physically, you know, go live in a cave or something like that, there there's always going to be some amount of self-control that is required to to keep these tactics working, to keep this system going. And I've found that that comes directly from having energy. If I, if I have one of those mornings where my plan is to wake up early and get some work done, but I stay up too late or I drink a little bit too much, um, then I'm more likely to wake up the next morning and say, Oh, I'll I'll do a quick check of Twitter. Oh, I better see what's going on in the news. You know, sort of your, your, uh, ability to make the decisions that you want to be making gets weakened when you don't have great energy.
1: Yeah, we make, uh, uh, I know that there's some sort of statistic out there when it comes to, for example, lack of sleep. To where then the next day, if you're operating on less sleep than you need, it's you're effectively drunk to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, I think there's been some studies about that um, with driving specifically, yes. and how if you're if you're short on sleep, yeah, it's it's like equivalent of of having two drinks or something like that. And and yeah, I mean when it's framed in that way, it it's it's kind of scary. Um, and and I think it's you know when you when you're looking at something like. Hanging out with friends or, or being at work, it's not as scary because, you know, it's not, it's not <laughs> life or death. But I think we can still see the we can see the connection there. We can understand that those, those moments are not as good. They're not as valuable when, when we're wiped out.
1: Yeah. And we could dive into a lot, a, a ton more tips and tricks in terms of like what to do with energizing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and I've got actually kind of, I've got a ton of other episodes that are really specifically for that. So cool. I'll pick a yeah. few and I'll, I'll link to those in the show notes for this episode where you can, you know, you can dive in deeper in terms of that. Um, yeah.
2: And sorry to, to interrupt, but I, I think um, one thing that that is important to to say because we haven't really said it yet is that so the the book is made up of these four steps highlight laser energize reflect but in addition to the four steps there are there's a menu of tactics, so a lot of these little things like the distraction free phone are examples of tactics that are in the book, and the best way to think about it is really like a cookbook so the you know a cookbook it might be a cookbook of of healthy Asian cooking or, you know, whatever. It has a theme, right? And so Make Time has a theme, which is really about questioning these defaults and making decisions to prioritize the things you want to do. And these four steps are meant to take you through that process Every day, but then the tactics are kind of like the recipes in the cookbook. You're not gonna you're not gonna pick up the cookbook and immediately try to cook everything. You're not gonna make it a mission to cook every single uh, recipe as quickly as you can. It's more about kind of flipping through and finding the specific tactics for building energy, the specific tactics for creating time in your day for that highlight that you think might work for you, and then relying on the the four steps that daily process to hone in on the ones that work best.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And again, that's, it's this whole personalization aspect of it where it's again, one size does not fit all. So
2: absolutely. Jake and I actually, on. you've got to try when, it on. Totally. When we were, when we were writing this book, we, we had a, a conversation where we decided that if somebody read the book and they used the steps, but they didn't use any of the tactics, right? They had their own ways of, of deciding what they wanted to focus on and, and you know, defeating distraction and whatever, yeah. um, that would be success, right? We don't, it's not for us, it's not about people using our specific tactics, our specific activities, concrete things. It's really about the mindset and the approach and the process. And so if people are doing that and it's working for them, we could not be happier.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, and so then the process still completes with this final step of, Reflection, which we kind of touched on when it comes to picking a highlight, and then at the end of the day, uh, reflecting and deciding, or or analyzing, or you know, whatever word is best for you, was that highlight the right highlight? What's my next highlight, or what should what are my possibilities for my next highlight? But then also, you know, reflect encompasses laser and energize as well.
2: We hope that people will use that reflect step to not just think about their highlight, but think about those tactics that they've been trying. Mm-hmm. An example for me uh, might be, you know, I, I have this tactic of of logging out of Twitter to change my password, log out. And if I have a day where I found myself on Twitter a little bit more often, I might note that when I reflect and I'd say, you know, I, I tried this tactic, log out, but it wasn't working great. Um, why is that? Is there something else I can try? Is there another tactic I can use to make sure that I'm not wasting time uh, in, a, in, in a way that makes me unhappy? So it's really about uh, reflecting on the highlight, but also being in this experimental mindset about the specific tactics, the really concrete things that you're doing in your day to try to work toward Uh, a life where you feel like you're spending time on the things that are important to you
1: it almost feels like each day then is a sprint and at the end of the day you say okay how did how well did my sprint go what can i adjust
2: nobody has said that but that is super interesting and the part of why it's interesting is that the idea of reflecting is also a lesson from our design sprints right. because we ran so many design sprints with so many different companies that at the end of every week, we would look back and we would say, how did it go? Like, what happened? And, and how can we make it better next week? And that just worked so well in that environment that we started to, to use it for ourselves. A lot, of, a lot of people who are trying to make their lives better better, you know, uh, get control of their time. They might be interested in scientific studies, research that's going on. And that stuff is all really interesting and really can be really valuable to read about a study. And, we, you know, we've, we've touched on a couple of those things in this conversation. But the experiment and the, the results from that experiment that you get when it's, it's just you, when you're testing on yourselves, it's, a, you know, an experiment with a, an N of one that is the data that is most valuable because you know it's true. You know it applies to you and you can put it into use right away, literally the next day.
1: Well, and it's a lot more personal. It's a lot more personally applicable even. Right. I right. Guess. you know, it's, yep. it's, it's your life and it's improving your life one day at a time, which sounds so cliche to say, but <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's intervals. It's literally one day at a time taking yeah. the day going through the sprint and then saying okay how did i do so yeah it's it's actually pretty simple like it, it it's we make it out to be so much more complex than it actually is anyway john i mean it's been it's been awesome talking with you i yeah, am you going too. to i'm going to be going through and uh, i think for me specifically the the piece that's missing out of these 3 really is the reflection piece mm. at mm-hmm. the end of the day so that's going to be where i'm going to start uh, making my changes. I think the highlight piece is there to a certain extent. Probably there's some work there to be done. But again, I love the kind of holistic or uh again, you use the word intuitive where it's like, don't, don't get so hung up on it. Don't make it so systematized that (laughs) it feels like homework,
2: or it feels daunting. Right, I have to figure out what is the one thing that's gonna change the course of my life forever. I don't
1: figure out my pilot. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so and and that's got to be the approach. I like that you keep it. I like that you kept it that way, that simple, that that approach. So, uh, the book is out now. So I'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, anywhere you want to point people to so they can take a look and check it out some more.
2: Yeah, the website for the book is maketimebook.com. And we've got a bunch of cool stuff there. We, you can actually look inside the book. We've got some, some renderings of the interior. There's uh, a bunch of links to tools, things that we suggest, things that are mentioned in the book, as well as a bonus pack. So if you buy the book, you're going to get, a discount off of everything from coffee beans uh, to um, Freedom, which is an app that helps uh, lock you out of certain distracting websites. So a bunch of good stuff there, maketimebook.com. And then uh, perhaps ironically, I would <laughs> encourage folks to follow me on Twitter. Um, That's great. Dis- despite, the, <laughs> despite the endless temptation. For when to- you check it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm on, on Twitter at um jazzer, J-A-Z-E-R. That's my username. And I like Twitter. It's uh it's it can be challenging to keep it inside of uh inside of bounds, but I, I enjoy it and I really, really enjoy hearing from people who have questions about this stuff, want to talk about it, read the book and want to give feedback. So I would, I would love to
1: have some conversations. That's there. awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, one thing I want to say about the book, I, I love that the, you've got all the different um, artwork. Doesn't do it justice. It's, it's illustrations. It's um, information displayed in visual manners is probably the best way I can put it is it, it's not, it's some, some of its drawings, it's cartoonish at times. It's, it's hand-drawn, it's personal, it's, uh, it's, it breaks up just it being a complete text-based book, which is, again, another refreshing thing for someone who reads a lot of books.
2: Cool. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, and, and the book is very visual. We, Jake and I, uh, you know, first and foremost, we are designers and we worked in the tech industry for a long time and we wanted to design a book that was, Really, that fit into people's lives. That was useful and usable. That didn't feel like this big thing you had to sit down and read from cover to cover, but that you could flip through, you could you could you know grab onto an illustration or a, a diagram that that appealed to you um, and dive in and, and just get something out of it. So um, I'm really glad you said that. And uh, it is worth noting that the illustrations are actually. Uh, they were created by Jake Knapp, oh, sweet. by my co-author. So in addition to his uh, his many skills as a designer and a writer, he's also uh, quite a good illustrator. So um, that's just a little fun little tidbit about the book.
1: John, awesome talking with you. Thanks for being here. Uh, and again, everybody check out the book. It's going to be great. So I'll link up to this in the show notes. Uh, and uh, John, thanks for being on the show.
2: Great. Thank you so much. I really had a good time. Appreciate it.
1: So I'm curious uh, if you're going to start approaching your days by picking a highlight. Uh, again, this is one of those things where I'm not necessarily going to do it on a daily basis. I'm going to do it more on a weekly basis and say, you know, here are the things that I'm looking forward to this week on individual days because, you know, I'm, I'm more of a cyclical, seasonal, whatever you want to call it, person. But uh, yeah, I would love for you to check out the book. Again, like I said, this book has a lot in it that I'm going to unpack a bit more myself as it applies to me as I go through the book again in a solo episode upcoming. Uh, but if you want to grab the book, you can go over to the show notes for this episode at com slash 250. There you'll find the button to also share this episode. I would love for you to hit the share button, share it via email, social networks, etc. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. And I look forward to seeing you next episode.